Last time on Dice Funk. The good historian Hale has mentioned to me outside of business hours that he is afraid of spiders. If there's an individual manifesting unwittingly or otherwise, sourcing where, who that might be would indeed uh, aid in all of this. You all can reveal to each other information that may become useful later. What nightmares plague you? I don't think Neelith wants to share this information to Ruth in this moment, but I can send the information to Austin if Austin would like to use it against me. Having questions and having no one to provide an answer to, to, to check on, upon, to confirm. But now I realize things that I have not infested the brain of are also things that I want around me. And I do not wish to lose them in a fire. Oh, you do not need to be concerned about my dream. If you happen to see a small goblin, it will be easy to kill. So basically, you're going to incorporate the needles uh, in Marina's shop. Because, you, I mean, this whole arc has really just been inspiring you about blood and needles and absorption. I cannot wait to use this to capture people's dreams and then run experiments on them. <laughs> oh, God. It is okay, Cat. Everything is okay. We're bonded now. I have this terrible recurring nightmare about falling. Falling forever. Well, at least you're grounded for the time being. All of you feel a terrible, rushing weightlessness as you are ripped off the ground and pulled into the sky. Chris, how many tabs do you have open at any given time? Uh, right now, right now I have eight. Oh. Wow. Oh. Only I, eight. I, I want to I wanna count how many I've got open currently. Three, four, five, six, seven. Who eight. among us has not gone into a game wiki hole and have 17 tabs open about Dragon Age 2's dungeon system okay i'm surprised there's that many pages about it they're like well we we made three and then we copy and pasted it for 16 hours <laughs> i've current i've currently got 32 open yeah yeah from for me like i have usually 40 tabs open at any given time just to be safe i'm i'm a, you know i'm just a toddler in an adult suit in that like i have no object permanence if i close a tab it's gone forever <laughs> I have the opposite brain trauma. If I ever get more than one or two tabs, I immediately start panicking because I don't want to lose stuff. I have four different tabs of music open right now. And I and I, and there'll probably be four or five more by the end of this podcast. 
depraved. If you had told me you were drinking blood out of a human skull, I would be less disturbed. (laughs) (laughs) I've got like three different monitors in priority order of like how important the tab is. So I've got like 13 on the main tab, like eight on the the secondary tab and the rest on the third tab. Well, like, because what if there's something I want to buy, but I'm not sure I want to buy. So I'll just open it up in a new tab and then I'll come back to it. You gotta hold it in that tab until like you come back like three weeks later and you're like, I do still want it. I'll buy it now. Yeah, but then you have to research the company, see because yeah. you saw it on Instagram, and who knows with Instagram, and then you Google that, and you have to find some random reviews off a random site, and they're like, I never got it after eight weeks, and then, you know, you had that tab open for three weeks for no reason. And at least two of my tabs are tracking my shiny Pokemon collection, which is very important to always have <laughs> at hand. This is triggering my fight or flight. Austin, I'm going to uh, go along with you. I'm going to start closing some tabs. Started with roll twenty, and uh, we'll just keep going from there. <laughs> uh, character sheet. Okay, okay. I got this useless character sheet up. Let me just get rid of that. Done. The mad lad. Chris actually left. I'm gone. You can't stop me now. So last we left the adventure, the party went to see Sun Moon Stars because you heard from Marina the Tailor that they were both working together on the Young Day preparations before this all went down. Um, and you think there's some kind of connection here. Uh, but before you could really question her, uh, her nightmare comes to life, which is falling. Very common nightmare, just falling in your dreams. Uh, and now you're all living it because you were ripped off the ground and pulled into the sky during this blizzard. So it's just this this sharp, cold wind ripping past your face as you are pulled higher and higher to basically uh, this <laughs> what will make the fall lethal. <laughs> At that point is when you will start falling. Mm. But it's uh, like we said before, dreams don't follow logic or physics. And so you do fall for longer than it should take, which gives you some time to think about how you're going to save your lives. But the four of you and Sun, Moon, Stars, the Asimar Goblin, are now falling through the snowstorm down towards the cemetery. What do you do? Austin, I have a very important mechanical question that I need you to answer. Um, Squidling, low-level levitation, does that mean... I will like get like an inch off the floor and then I'll stop and I'll be fine. This was a topic of controversy and discussion <laughs> in the community this week. I can confirm. The levitation is what you get for being a squidling in the same way that like being able to switch bodies is what slime gets for being an ooze and what uh, saving faces to Aze for being a hobgoblin. It's like essentially everyone gets what the game calls racial features. I don't really like the word race in these contexts, but mm-hmm. that's what they call them. Uh, so I don't want to say it has no utility, uh, but I also don't think it's an immediate get out of jail free card. I think what yeah. we do is we roll intelligent saving throw to see if you can summon the in, in, the psionic int- intellectual strength to not hit the ground. That works too. I also like the reading of we're rolling intelligence to see whether Neelith remembers this is an an option available. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because I could definitely see that you fail this and it's like, no, it's not strong enough. Or you succeed and it's just enough that you don't get hurt. So At 16. Yeah. Okay, 16 is going to do it. I was thinking 15 as the threshold. I um, I mean, you don't know immediately as you're falling if this is going to work. Yeah. But I guess, Laura, out of character, you do know that that's going to be enough. I think in character, Neelith is still trying to come up with alternative solutions just in case. Because, like, yeah, probably has tried once or twice jumping off something reasonably at all. Probably hasn't tried this level of essentially base jumping. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, it's also just like if, you know, when a car falls on a child and mom gets like crisis strength is the trope. I'm not 100 percent sure if there's actually evidence to that story, but it's the idea is that this normally would be beyond your capabilities, but it's a crisis moment and you do, you know, find the very momentary strength to save yourself. Yeah, not relying on this being a a working plan, but... Uh, Can I cast web for everyone to fall into? Ooh, I like web. Can you read the description of that for the audience? Okay, so it kind of might work. So you conjure a mass of thick, sticky sticky webbing at a point of your choice within range. The web fills... Webs fill a 20-foot cube from that point for the duration. The webs are difficult terrain and lightly obscure the area. Uh, If the webs aren't anchored between two solid masses, such as walls or trees, or layered across a floor wall or ceiling, the conjure web collapses on itself and the spell ends at the start of your next turn. Webs layered over a flat surface have a depth of 5 feet. Each creature that starts its turn in the webs or that enters them during this must take a dexterity saving throw. Yeah, so that's this is the combat rules. You don't necessarily need to read, but I'll say this is interesting. The webs layered over a flat surface have a depth of five feet feels like the most important part because it's like if you shoot down into the cemetery and you hit like two – uh, the word I'm looking for is mausoleum. I think last week I said above ground crypt, but crypts are defined by being underground. The right. above ground <laughs> thing is called a mausoleum. Right. So like you hit two mausoleums like Spider-Man and create a flat surface. When you fall into it, you are going to go like broing, like down into it. And if it's a depth of only five feet, you probably still, people would still get hurt. Mm-hmm. But I think with, you know, the, the psionic save Neilith just made and the things the other people are going to add to this scene, uh, this could be a critical component of everyone being safe. All I have to say is do not cast any fire spells. I don't know if anyone's planning to, but do not, because any five-foot cube of webs exposed to fire burns away in one round, so, dealing so no damage. Point- no pointing a fire spell downwards and using it like to create an updraft? In case somebody has rockets... For feet, I guess. For Who would have rockets? Is this a bad time to say I'd cast fly? And turn on your rockets? Yeah. <laughs> and turn on my rockets. But, but I could do that early, you know, before the web comes out. I don't trust. I don't trust. And then I could be doing donuts in the air or something. Yeah, yeah there. You, yeah, that's that's important thing. You got to be doing the donuts in the air. In my mind, it's like, oh, the genius's fire would burn the web or the the added weight of all of you hitting it might tear it. But if you just turn on your jets and fly away, <laughs> just like <laughs> subtract yourself from the math, everyone yeah, else. Yeah, I, I, I legitimately like I want it to be like after you beat Robotnik and his big thing breaks down and then just like a little little egg thing f- like floats away and just like sputters off. It's basically it. <laughs> Yeah, so I think this is a classic rule of three situation. If we have one, the genius of Grendel jetpack away, two, Neelith uh, uses her, her psionics to slow her descent, and three, Slime uses web to give you all something to land in. That means that when you all eventually come down and hit the web, your weight isn't so much that it doesn't break. You, you There's enough like give to it, like a bungee cord, that you all are safe. Um, and I think that that's a success here. I think you all... Get out of this death trap. I, re- I mean, this could have been lethal if anybody had botched like a deck save or something on the way down. So this seems like an unmitigated success. Okay. I puke out spy webs and they're like big spindly gross webs. When you land on it, it squelches. Mm. All right. So you all get squelched up in the web and then the genius lands like, you know, 20 feet away uh, and is also perfectly fine and not messy. 
How did it go? It went well. We did it. We're all good. Ozzy's upside down. I'm just going to say, he's just like, uh, it's at least we're safe. Uh, I'm just I'm a bit stuck in here. You're welcome. Uh, Sun, Moon, Stars also landed like face down into the slime and just pulls her face out and her huge uh, high beam eyes like cutting through the snowstorm. And she gives a big broad smile and begins like hacking at the slime web with her shovel to cut Ozzy out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Ozzy comes out easily enough from that. So it really seems like these <sighs> fears and nightmares and whatnot are going to be a real problem. Um, for those of you that have fears and nightmares, the, the you, you lot, um, do you want do you want to deal with all your mental trauma now so that like you there's nothing that it can summon for you? You know, it's nice easy work. <laughs> well, most of my nightmares don't involve explosions because I like them, so I don't think we have to worry about that. Unless someone else is worried about explosions. Oh, but then that is a dream for me. <laughs> One man's dream is another man's nightmare. I am incapable of emotional reflection, only repeating the same memories of everyone burning alive over and over again. Oh, sweetie. I, I mean, <laughs> she... if a bad thing happens and you can't stop thinking about it, that's that's not far off a nightmare. I'm still, cons- I'm still curious about how, if at all, some of our concerns will actually manifest themselves. But I'm also wondering if there's any signs of this tulpa being nearby. After all that, it's fine as long as you're all scared of like marshmallows and you know fluffy bunnies. We're all, it's all gonna be chill. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> I believe being scared of marshmallows is not necessarily a safety maneuver. Uh, I've heard rumors of one such marshmallow creature. Another beloved 80s franchise along with Freddy Cougar. It's the, the, yes. the Toastbusters. Toastbusters, yeah. They 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 uh they have to fight a giant uh marshmallow fluff monster. Uh So, yeah, um I sort of uh, suggested it something there. Is there anything we can do to see if there's any lingering traces of this this creature around? Uh, yeah, I think what you're looking for there is going to be an investigation of the graveyard. Uh, 18. Uh, that'd be a 14 for Aze. I crit. Oof. Uh, with a crit, the genius of Grendel, I think you are the one who uh, spots something here in the snow, which is that there, well, actually a couple of things. One is that there are no tracks leading to the cemetery besides the ones the party just made. So it's not like the Tulpas are physically running around the village. Uh, They are manifesting wherever they happen to. So it's not like you can chase them down. Mm. Uh, They don't obey like physics or (laughs) geography. So you're not going to be able to just chase after them. You have to figure out the actual mystery of what's going on. So with a crit, I want to give you even more, which is that uh, Sun, Moon, Stars also hasn't moved from the cemetery in a while. She's been sleeping here and her like the snow has already covered her tracks, which means that she hasn't done much. And so what the last thing she did Probably is relevant to this mystery. She's only done like one thing in the last two days, you know, meet with Marina to plan Young Day. And then she came back here and napped. So she has, she's like a, an undisturbed crime scene because she went right to bed. So has anything in particular happened that uh, comes out of the ordinary? Uh, no, not really. I just took a big nap. Um, 
The cold doesn't bother me. Just like heat doesn't bother the governor. We got that grandpa blood. So what was exactly the last thing you did before coming back here? Because it seems connected to you falling out the sky a second ago, maybe. The last thing I did... Uh, I met with Marina, and we were planning the Young Day floats. Uh, we're making a model float of their famous ship. Where is this model ship? Oh, we haven't started building it yet. We were just planning it. Do you want to see the plans? Yes. I will help outfit your ship with harpoon launchers. Oh, that sounds nice. Oh, I think we left them in the dogberry because it's snow. We didn't want them to get wet. In the what now? In the bar, in Potter's Bar, the dogberry. Ah. That's where we met. Mm. So mm. everything is at the bar. With with your crit, I would say that Austin is going to nod to Chris across the table. <laughs> it- Hurry, back to the dogberry. All right, so the party just uh, all rushed to the dogberry? Yes. I, I, I saw a tweet from you leading up to this week, Austin. I'm just like, oh, no. There's something I, I might want to tap into, but I also feel like that we have more pressing things to worry about than my side worry. Yeah, well, if you're living about- in the future listening to this like two years after it came out, I did tweet this last week that I looked up what temperature horses could survive because... <laughs> Uh, drip is in the village somewhere, but it turns out negative forty Fahrenheit, which means oh, I think yeah. Remember that's horses are sturdy. That's how you can get your uh, your horse's balls to shrink in Red Dead Redemption Two. Which <laughs> Chris, are you suggesting that only happens at negative forty? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I haven't tested my horse balls recently to see like what weather they generally shrink at, but I'm gonna assume. Like during the snow weather, that's where it happens. Why it's are we so focused on, on horse balls? Why? What? <laughs> Mari, people put 80 hour work weeks into those balls. People lo- destroy their marriages over those balls. Can you imagine the programmers sitting at their computer? Because like one of the idea guys was like, let's make the, the horse's balls go up. <laughs> and then the guy who actually has to do it is like, I hate this job. I hate being here. I mean, sometimes it's done with people that genuinely love them. There's a guy who works on Conan Exiles, and his whole thing is he loves giving all the monsters <laughs> detailed buttholes. Yeah, the butthole guy. Yeah, the butthole story. guy. He's great. Video games are amazing. What were you known as in your life? I was the butthole guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're him. <laughs> Gosh, that, 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 that would be a weird mixer at the Game Developers Conference for sure, but... Yeah, but to, to Skitch's point, there are a couple. There's always options this season. There's never like a railroad. There's never a plot I want you to follow. You could go visit Drip. You could go see uh, historian Hale, who's afraid of spiders. You learned and you found a spider. That's there's a lot of plot like stuff there. But if you're all going to the Dogberry, that's a perfectly good uh, thing. And I'm ready. yeah, I, I'm fine with going with the to the Dogberry. I just had this lingering thought in the back of my mind, like, oh no, is Austin going to kill off Drip right away? Is that what he's going to do? That monster? Can you imagine a dungeon master killing your animal companion off screen? Austin says, turning to the camera and looking intensely <laughs> into it. Remembering season one when I was a player and not breaking eye contact with Johnny Maloney for an hour. Um. <laughs> oh, no. I, 
Oh, geez. I remember here. Let's see that while prepping for season two. Anyways. Anyways. So uh, the Dogberry. Dogberry. Yeah. yeah the, the bar. It's the center of the nightlife here when the village is open. But as you approach. The happenedest place. Yeah. As you approach, though, it's not happening at all. The city square, the village square is completely empty. It's com- There's nobody here. Um, and the actual place where the bar is is, once again, just this flat foundation that you stand on. And there's a sigil that scans you and lets you down into the bar, which is actually underground. Uh, so as you approach the Dogberry, does anybody want to do anything? I'm opening more tabs. Oh, no. Yeah, I've got seven more open since we started. <laughs> I- I've I've opened another two tabs since we've been going. Sun, moon, stars. I would like to integrate with your brain before you die. <laughs> okay, I think some. I guess some. Sun, moon, stars at the party now and says, "Well, maybe we start smaller than with the brain. You, you, there's some other things you can integrate with, mm. <laughs> like teeth. Sun, moon, stars may integrate with your teeth. Great. I love that suggestion. Thank you." May integrate with your teeth. One tooth at a time, dear. Let's start small. Which tooth? Whichever one strikes your fancy. Why don't you tell me? Your left canine. (laughs) Buy a girl dinner first. (laughs) All right. (sighs) I want to kick open the door. No, I want to, I want to, I want to, I don't know. I don't have the thing mechanically that can do it, but I want to have a boxing glove on a spring (laughs) that I, I punch the door open with. Yeah, so remember, the Dogberry doesn't have a door. There's no building there. There's just a flat area of ground with a magic sigil on it. So you roll over to it, and then you just punch it with a boxing glove. Blammo. Uh, yep, the, the sigil lights up and scans you all. You all feel like a tingling magical sensation uh, You know, crawl over your skin as it does something magical. And then there's a clicking noise, and then the ground begins lowering as you're taken in kind of a magical... You know, it's it's a kind of elevator of a sort down into the bar. <gasps> now, oh. Austin, it's crawling all over our skin. But what about these? these wounds? They will not they heal. heal. Yeah, there we go. We're both on the same page. <laughs> I've I've suddenly got some questions that I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, has everyone whose nightmares manifested been to the bar recently? Is that not why you're here? Well, y- well, I I don't know if. Everyone has been there. Mm. That was my question is, has 100% of the people who have manifested, could could the manifestation have got them here? So the elevator reaches the bottom and clicks, and then you see, you know, on the other side, uh, in the kind of warm, uh, you know, half-light, uh, Potter is making himself a drink. <laughs> but if you guys can do continue your conversation, I just want to say he is here. Hey, Potter, you doing any better? Yeah, bro. Much better. Thanks for the with the tiny cupcakes. Whew. Spiked my blood sugar up good. I'm feeling strong. I'm glad they helped. Um, weird question. Stab in the dark. Do you have a list of who has recently been to the bar and when? And or does your fancy door could does that keep like a track record of people? Would it know if a weird cre- invisible creature manifested through the doorway or not or anything? Wow, bro, that was a lot. Uh, so I don't. That's a lot. I'm sorry. I'm. I. I. I had a lot in my head. No, it's all good, Chef. Uh, let's see. I don't keep a list list, but I know because you know everybody left for the season. What happens here is all pretty much within my eyesight. So uh, you know, people didn't come much last week because everyone was leaving and so forth. Uh, so now we kind of converted the spot to just a village hangout for all the you know close fam and so forth. 
yesterday in the morning, uh, the little lizard came by. He was reading some books here. And then the planning committee showed up and he left because he wanted to read in peace. Planning committee was here until kind of late. And then Venta came by. Um, and then we walked home into that whole thing, which you're familiar with. Um, I think that's everything. Uh, oh no, the, uh, before the historian, uh, little jellyfish, little jellyfish showed up, but she didn't stay. She just wanted to pick something up. She just needed some incense or something for her spot. You know, she likes to keep the people at ease when they're telling you about their childhood. So, so that sounds like everyone who we so far know oh. has had a nightmare has been to the bar very recently. Uh, Potter, have you been having any unusual dreams lately? No, dog, I don't dream. I have like a brain thing. I don't have a, a visual th thinker. My brain doesn't do that. <clears throat> Woo, Aphantasia. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Does Neela say that in character? <laughs> <laughs> sure, it's in character now. <laughs> yeah, Potter says, "Yeah, that I have that. I don't, I don't dream." Do you remember uh, Sun Moon Stars? Do you remember where the uh, plans are down here? Here they are. We left them because we know that only the villagers are going to come in, so they'll be safe here. And there's like some rolled up uh, plans, like that were put behind a booth, and it's just like, <clears throat> just you know, like uh, I would say, like high schoolers planning a little. Uh, arts and crafts project. It's not particularly advanced. Marina is a very talented, uh, you know, artist, but it's a pretty uh, modest float. Nothing special. They're all stick figures drawings on there, but you can still <laughs> tell who is who, despite the fact they're all stick figures. You know. Yeah, yeah. The stick figures are very crude, and then all of the detail work on like the fabrics is intensely professional. <laughs> Has anything happened in here recently that like could in any way explain? weird nightmare ghosts happening to people who've specifically been here. I don't know, bro. I'm just the bartender, you know? And I used to be the governor. It's not I'm not a wizard. Uh, that's kind of your y'all dog's whole thing, huh? I was like, just sitting, sits, has a seat at the booth with the plants and just sort of runs his fingers along them, just sort of looking them over as he tries to come up with a a question. You want your usual milk there, bro? Uh, I'll be fine, thank you, Potter. Anybody else? Drink, drink, drink. Uh, while this is being asked, Neelith is floating around the room trying to find any signs of weird magic in the room. Weird magic? That sounds like arcana. That, that, that seems like that's what that would be. I'll have a glass of blood, please. Uh, <laughs> 17, as Neelith sort of like scoots around the edges of the room down near the floor, just sort of tentacle sniffing around the room looking for magic. Uh, I think uh, Potter makes you a Bloody Mary, which is not the same thing, but he does not have blood. Is there alcohol in this? Yeah, dog, it's a bar. No, thank you, I would die. <laughs> it's very intense. <laughs> I mean, life or death matters are very intense. I would like... A Molotov cocktail that is not lit currently. I'm cutting you off, Genie. How dare you! You can have my Bloody Mary. Can it explode if I put a rag and light it on fire? I think if you stole more vodka, it would. I, I've, I've got to finish working, but can you, can you mix me up a yum yum cranium? 
<laughs> yeah, sure. Potter goes to mix that. You rolled a 17 on Arcana. So I want to say there isn't much magic in the bar. Not really any reason for there to be. This is a pretty analog kind of establishment. The most magical thing about the Dogberry is the scanner at the entrance, um, which is a, a magical glyph that is part of the, the ground. Uh, and you can examine it, and it's a very complicated glyph. A thing you'll notice about it with a 17 is that there are some weird scratches on it, which you wouldn't notice if you hadn't looked particularly closely. Uh, 17 is a success, so I'm going to say, like, the scratches connect parts of the glyph that don't seem to have normally been connected. So ah. it's like a, a, a pentagram and a... And like an Ouroboros and some other Eldritch stuff. And then like some someone has scratched it in a couple of places to c- connect parts that shouldn't be to make like new shapes. Mm. The joys of scooting around a place on your hands and knees looking for clues. Yeah. I mean, Laura, you nailed it. Like when you got here, you're the one who the light bulb went off. I could tell you had solved the mystery like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I've, I've had, I've, I've, I feel smart today. I had ideas. <laughs> Yeah, you nailed it. I did find it suspicious that he tried to kill me. <laughs> he, did, he, did, he didn't try to kill you. He he offered you what you ordered and didn't realize that alcohol would kill you, Slim, to be perfectly pedantic. Uh, I want to grab a napkin and light it on fire and stuff it into Bloody Mary. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Potter just puts a huge meaty hand on your shoulder and just looks at you to say, like, dog. Do you really want to do this, dog? Po- Potter, <laughs> do, Potter, do you know what this is? Is this a thing that you know about? Oh, man, someone scuffed up my thing. Yeah, I bought that from a, a traveler. Uh, I don't remember if they were coming up or going down, uh, but it cards people for me so I know if they're old enough to drink. I had it installed uh, like when I when I got the place. So uh, Aze is going to take out a piece of paper from his set, lay it over where the glyph is, and then using some of his cartography tools basically trace out the shape and basically mark it as if it was acting like a constellation of sorts and sort of using that to sort of determine some things about the, the nature of the glyph as well as he can um, while this is all being discussed. Yeah, seems like a bunch of nerd shit. I don't know anything about that. I can't even summon a light breeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm, we probably need to put something up outside telling people not to use your entryway more than is necessary until we get this sorted. Your, your, your carding, your carding dorm might have been giving people nightmare ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I think that you have discovered that someone has altered the sigil, and whatever that does, whenever it went, in addition to scanning people the way it's supposed to, it is also seemingly tapping into their nightmares and making it real. Yeah. Uh, you don't know who did that, why they did that, or uh, how to stop the tulpas, but you have solved a big part of the mystery. From looking at the glyph, can we tell if it does it look deliberately done? Yes, the scratches look like they de- deliberately connected some, several parts of the glyph to change what it was supposed to do. Can I do a religion check, or is that relevant? Absolutely, I would love a religion check. Okay, so... That would go down real smooth. So religion... I Hopefully this goes well for me. Mm-hmm. 23. Ooh, slime. With a 23, you ate a priest once and you recognize the alterations. This uh, definitely looks like a symbol for the dream realm. I mean, that makes sense. 
Nightmares are dreams. Also, why this is religion is because uh, there's actually an Australian Aboriginal belief about uh, kind of a dream plane. It's called the dream time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so whatever this glyph was, was supposed to connect. It was supposed to scan people and see if they're old enough to drink, but it's been altered to connect to this dream realm. With a 23, I think you, 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 you know that there are native... There are native dwellers of the dream time, uh, which I think you should maybe ask you slime, get the idea to ask Potter who sold him the glyph. Please cease from trying to kill me. Also, who sold you this glyph? (laughs) Uh, I will now put a picture in the chat of the person Potter describes to you, which because of your 23, you recognize as a native of the dream time. I don't know. Okay. What I'm seeing is a furry elephant with short, with a short tusk. I, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, that's a beautiful little boy. Uh, glowing. It's <laughs> a beautiful little boy. Yeah, he is. He's a beautiful little boy. He has a green cape and he's covered in fur and he's got a lion's tail and little hoovies and an elephant's trunk that's short and wobbly tusks and cute dog ears and glowing eyes. And his little green outfit is like a flowy cape, like if you put a cape on a dog. Uh-huh. So Potter describes to you this creature, uh, and uh, Slime, you just, you can tell the rest of the group, you're like, oh, Potter has just described to us a Baku, B-A-K-U, which are things that live in the dream time. Uh, for anyone curious about mythology, uh, Baku are what the Pokemon Drowsy is supposed to be. Oh! I was going to say, aren't they like tape bears, like uh, Drowsy and whatever, Mushrana or whatever, the Gen 5 one with a little like incense thing on top of its head are? Oh. Yeah, the Musharna in their evolution are supposed to be like incense burners, but they're also based on the Baku, which is a, a yokai that eats dreams. I mean, if this thing wants to eat dreams, there's plenty of dreams out here in the physical world. Come eat those ones. What do you think it's doing? Well, I mean, when we were falling out the sky, it wasn't eating that for us. Well, they're not all ripe yet. Oh, that's that must be it. Uh, the dreams have to be developed, matured, and the way they're matured is by having the person with the dream experience it in a more direct manner thus reinforcing the experience and making the making the thoughts more vibrant when consumed but why not good ones oh why only bad ones maybe you can ask it I will say, in addition to uh, Mari's description, that for the audience, if you didn't quite catch all that, it's a kind of uh, composite monster. I believe the myth is that it was made from the leftover parts when the gods were done making every animal. So it has an elephant's trunk, rhinoceros eyes, an ox's tail, and tiger paws. Uh, this this picture I took was from Pathfinder specifically, and it does have like a little green outfit that's pretty cute. Well, that's why I said he just looked like a good little boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty good little boy and he just wants to eat your dreams. Well, I think I vote out of character. Just let him. Just <laughs> just let him. He deserves it. <laughs> yeah, that's a common folk belief is that you want you like pray to Baku to come eat your nightmares if you're having them. Oh, so he's supposed Okay, so in character I would say like he's supposed to be taking the nightmares away, but he's making them worse. 
He hasn't, like, come back to visit that you're aware of? No, but I mean, I doubt he would announce himself, and I do have to sleep. It would be pretty trivially easy to sneak up during the snowstorm and connect a couple lines with your claw. You are all a farm, much like the vegetables we made to suffer so we could consume. Artistic parallels. It rhymes like poetry. It's like a poem. It rhymes, just like Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. I have a feeling that if we wish to inquire about this uh, entity's intentions and and the, and the such, uh, they will be coming for us sooner than later at this rate. You're all being harvested. <laughs> also, I should say there are two, still two locations previously discussed. Uh, one is Hale, who's afraid of spiders, and the other is Ruth, who told you to come back when you understood the mystery because uh, her her knowledge of the mind is vast and she just didn't have enough yeah. information. That that definitely seems the next place to go back to. Um, I did have one question before we go, which is, do we have the knowledge and or skills required to... To unconnect these lines so that we can leave without further entrenching ourselves in problems by using the, the glyph again. You rolled a 17 on Arcana, so I want to say you're not confident that altering the glyph wouldn't make this worse. Mm. Uh, when dealing with strong magic, there's always a chance that you're going to uh, you know, open a portal into hell or set yourself on fire or something. Uh, also, now that you know what this does, just Potter will keep people from walking into it. Potter, can it, do you have like a staff exit or something that's like a tunnel that doesn't use the carding thing that we can use to get up without, you know, putting more nightmare magic on us? I don't know if that's how it works, but... Nah, bruh. The, the governor says that businesses in the village don't need regulations like, you know, safety, fire exits or whatever. That'll just uh, stifle innovation. So there's only one entrance, one exit. But I don't think it matters if we get scanned again and if we all leave. Can we destroy the sigil? Interfering with a sigil improperly can be disastrous. I'm sure genius would not mind the results, but we should do that under more controlled circumstances if we were planning on doing that. I was literally just going to roll a dice and be like, all right, I'm going to fuck with it. Uh, Aza <laughs> is going to offer up the, the diagram that he made of the sigil, the current sigil, to the genius of Grendel so that they could plot a course of attack for later on yeah do you want to roll something chris yeah why not uh 26 i want to fix it holy fucking shit dude uh 26 <laughs> here's what i'll actually say uh we discussed in the downtime about uh whether or not the machine capital t capital m the machine uh communicates with you and we said that we hadn't quite uh you know workshop to a point where we're ready to reveal that yet I would say now is the first time it happens on screen. Uh, it's not in words. The, the machine doesn't talk using language. Instead, uh, as you look at the, uh, the sigil, I think uh, your vision begins to kind of open up in a sense. It's like you're seeing multiple parallel uh, timelines at once. The machine is granting you a kind of prophetic vision. 
it's it's not literal. It's like you see Neelith uh, and the sigil like superimposed over each other as if she has some kind of control of the dream realm. Um, the, it's like she wields the dream time in some way. And it feels like the machine is telling you if you don't take some initiative, uh, Neelith is going to gain the power of the dream time and that the machine wants you to do so. And I think you see a, a, a separate reality, a separate timeline with with your uh, – Freddy Cougar glove you made last episode with the the needles on it, and you I think you even joked you're like I can't wait to take the nightmares and do experiments on them, and you see like this glove with these needles like plunging into this dream stuff into these tulpas, and you like uh, mastering it and taking control of it, and the, the the machine is sending you essentially these two parallel visions and saying, uh, without your intervention. Uh, the the Tulpa and the Baku will be defeated, but Neelith will benefit. If you if you however take initiative, you can benefit and you can become the master of Dream Time and wield the power of the Tulpas. I want to be the master of Dream Time. That's a really rad title. Yeah, but your psionic essentially is the issue here. So you have a more sensitivity to the dream time than anyone else. But the genius has access to kind of futuristic lost technology. Um, so it's not a choice you need to make right here and now, Chris. What I'm saying is the machine has granted you a vision of a choice in the future where you can have more power for yourself, but you will essentially be taking it from Neolith, whether or not she realizes that. Okay. Just never tell me there'll be no consequences. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, ultimately with a 26, um, you know there's nothing worthwhile doing here right at this moment. It's about time to go see Ruth or Hale. Uh, but soon there will be a, a chance to uh, defeat the Tulpas and the Baku. Uh, should, should we go and return now that we know the nature of what is occurring? We can We can return to Ruth directly unless you wanted to check on Hale to make sure that Hale isn't suffering any further from their particular uh, nightmare. We saw a spider, but we never checked on Hale directly like we did with everyone else. I mean, it couldn't hurt to poke, poke a face in. Yeah, let's go to the li- let's go to the library. Let's just let's just do pop, it. Pop our, pop our head in and go. No one's dying from a dream. No, cool. Okay. There's 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 going to be full of spider webs at this point, isn't it? You know, just <laughs> yeah. I mean, spoilers. Yes, absolutely. So <laughs> the the party gets on the sigil. It goes up to the surface. Everyone like leaves, and Potter stays behind to put up like caution tape. I think Sun Moon Stars uh, volunteers go around the village and tell everyone to stay away from the dogberry. And the rest of you go over to Hales. Uh, you call it the library. Outside from outside, it just looks like a little log cabin. And then you open the door, and it opens into this vast, vast complex. It's like the Library of Congress in here. Uh, and there's just row after row of huge bookshelves with these moving ladders. Uh, and uh, you know, as soon as you walk in, you see that many of these bookshelves are now collected in giant webs of uh, nightmare spider web. Uh, just this like black dripping gooey web now connects many of these bookshelves. Uh, Aze will call out, <clears throat> "Hail!" Roll perception to strain your ears to see if you can hear a response. Mm-hmm. Twenty-seven. Oh, damn, that's so good. All right, I was going to say you hear no response, but with a 27, I think you do hear a very distant, over here, 
uh, from one direction, and you can you can tell that uh, Hale has like barricaded himself in some distant archive to hide from the spiders, which are trying to murder him. Yeah, well, Aze immediately just like goes in a sprint towards where he hears the cry from, like recklessly goes in the direction of where the cries of help are coming from. All right, does everybody else follow? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so as you're running between the shelves and like through the spider web, um, some of the some of the web blocks your your route. In fact, rather than rolling initiative to do combat with individual webs and spiders, can each of you uh, tell me how you deal with this? This is kind of like a chase sequence. So let's say Aze, you're up first. There's a web in your way. There's like things skittering in the periphery of your vision. What do you do? Aze will employ um, one of his cantrips. Um, I don't have a good astrology name for this. I'll have to think of this at some point. Um, He wants to use the uh, cantrip thorn whip to try to shred some of the webbing away. You know, he'll have his star maps out. They'll, in one hand, they glimmer um, the shape of like a like a rose appears upon it and then as he swings out his hand like a the vine whip comes out and latches onto some of the uh web and he tries to tear through it like a almost like a chainsaw practically in terms of tearing down some of the webbing absolutely make that attack uh 21 hell yeah yeah i mean just paint me a picture you succeed yeah so like like Aze just sort of like has like a very concerned and uh, look on his face because you know Hale is one of the few that he feels some kinship in town um, in terms of like fields of studies and the like, and so he's running ahead. He's already feeling a little fatigued due to his fortitude not being that great, and some of the webs comes up and he and he just is like, I will not let you get in my way, and. The glimmer of the rose appears in the star maps in his one hand. His other hand swings out. Ro- uh, ro- uh, vine comes out, latches onto a big bundle of the webs. He get tangled in it, and he yanks back in such a way that the v- webbing shreds and falls apart, leaving an opening for the uh, rest of the party to advance with him. Yeah, and the crack of your whip uh, sounds through the library, and you hear that voice in the direction you're going. You're going in the right way because that's 27 on perception, and you just hear a voice say, over here, partner. So then I would like to cast. Um, hmm. I'm between acid splash and poison spray. I'm going to do acid splash. And it's just like a spray and it disintegrates any of the little spiders and webs. Just like it's another like thing. So we can all run through it. Yeah, I think acid splash is a deck save. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, webs have a negative five with disadvantage because they're webs. They're not very dexterous. <laughs> uh, so that's a six. That's going to fail. And you just uh, melt them all effortlessly. Uh, if you want to paint me a specific picture of you melting spider webs with acid, feel free. So like polyps come up and they like spray like a fine mist. Like it's very directional. So I don't accidentally burn everyone's faces off. And it, and as it lands, it just kind of like melts everything, including the little spiders and all of the webbing in our way for this part. Uh, Neelith is going to attempt to sort of pull webs out of the way using Mage Hand so that 
Nothing's physically getting stuck to Neelith. It's getting t- stuck to a magical, invisible, intangible hand. Uh, and to deal with the spiders as going through, uh, Neelith is going to use the frying pan to just kind of try and squash them. Just lots and lots of smacking at the walls with the frying pan. All right. Do you want to make an attack with your frying pan as if it is a bard's rapier? Nine. Mm. I'm going to use my reaction to throw the last uh, benefic uh, tap on that. Let's see if this is enough. F- five. That'd make it a 14. That's enough. Yeah. So at the beginning of the day, you checked the star forecast. It was good. And you had three uses of this. Yes. So this is the last one is uh, Neelith swings her frying pan into the web and it gets stuck. And it looks like uh, she's about to get become lunch for the nightmare spiders. And then all of a sudden the constellations appear on her skin and she gets a burst of strength and rips out of it and the spiders go flying. Yep. Uh, so the three of you are charging ahead. Slime, you're melting the webs with acid. Uh, Aze, you're whipping everything that comes near you. And Neely, you have your frying pan out in your mage hand and you're cl- carving a path. Uh, the genius, they were the last one to speak up. So I want to say you're rolling behind this uh, kind of train uh, when you turn a corner around a bookshelf and you come face to face with a goblin. Go oh, hello. You say, oh, hello, to this goblin who looks uh, shockingly like you. Uh, so I brought the uh, the drink for Potters. <laughs> the Molotov, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to splash it on this goblin and then cast uh, Shocking Grasp and try to uh, explode them on fire. Okay, so you don't say anything. Nope. Uh the audience will, of course, remember last episode when you were discussed your nightmare with Ruth. You said if you see a small goblin, it'll be easy to kill. So you turn a corner. You see what appears to be you. Are they st- are they standing? Yes. Uh, is there anything else about them you want to note before you set them on fire? Only that uh, they die pathetically. And the genius is going to just watch it happen and say, you're better off dead. You evolve into something far better. So you're standing there watching this goblin burn, and I think the rest of the party, you know, hears the crackling flame in the library and can turn back and see the tail end of this. Um, and just the way you watch kind of... Remorselessly, you know. I think they are all uh, very acutely aware of the fire in the library, though. Does anybody uh, have anything to do about that? Hmm. Uh, mm. Yeah, this is what that's what I was worried about with the with the genius before we on. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> a question. Does the amount of fire on the goblin constitute a small campfire in size? Well, it's funny you say that because if you'll recall, uh Slime's nightmare was the people she loves being killed in a fire. So I think uh this fire is growing and uh moving uh, unnaturally fast. Yes. Yeah, it's moving almost uh, sapiently. It's like taking on a, a shape and moving. Can I um, and- cast Absorb Elements? Yeah, you want to read that for the audience? The spell captures some of the uh, incoming energy, lessening its effects on you and storing it for your next melee attack. You have resistance to the triggering damage type until the start of your next turn. Also, the first time you hit with a melee attack on your next turn... The target takes an extra 1d6 damage of the triggering type, and the spell ends. 
So the fire is moving uh, from the goblin, the genius set on fire, towards the party. And I think, Slime, you were particularly struck. Uh, you know, I was going to say, like, in your heart, I don't know if you consider yourself to have, like, a heart like the rest of the people. You're kind of a colony of little individuals with a gestalt consciousness. But you're struck by the, this fire moving unnaturally. And it's seeming to, like, encircle you and cut you off from the party. And so you use absorb elements so that if you get burned, you'll be able to save some of that fire and unleash it. I would like to clarify that Slime's fear is that people would prefer to be in the fire over over being with them. Um. I've got an idea. Um, something I've not used yet this campaign that I have is the Song of Creation. From the hit game Anthem. <laughs> uh, as an action, I can create one non-magical item of my choice in an unoccupied space within ten feet of me. Um, could I magically create a bucket of water? Uh, you can. I want to say everybody constitution saving throw as the the heat from the fire intensifies. Mm. At 13. Mm. Nine. Yeah. Uh, three. Six. What a fucking cock. I used the 3D dice. And that shit was definitely on 19. And it was like, eh, fuck you. It just <laughs> slid over to a three. Yeah, I, I rolled. Yeah, so I rolled a three. Everybody but Neelith fails, which is interesting because she's making the bucket of water. So everyone is uh, takes... Everyone else takes four damage from the heat. Neelith, though, you charge forward and uh, paint me the picture of you conjuring a bucket of water and putting out this fire. Because if you use your special uh, bard creation ability to do this, you absolutely succeed. Uh, it's just very funny. You're the only one who doesn't take the damage. I think in terms of flavor, uh, this isn't a bucket of water, as I'd initially said. I think this is a big pan of water that you would have for like, ah, you've not put the ingredients to make soup into this yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've really got to give it a heave with both hands to get it up off the stove. Big thing of water and just sort of cascade it as as best I can over the fire. Hale's going to be like, why does all, why do all my books smell like chicken stock? Look, it was either that or no books. Yeah. Uh, so this water puts out this fire. I think uh, as it's kind of taking shape, it has almost malevolent kind of face like a uh, smoke pattern in the middle and that's where the you know the soup goes right through and headshots the fire and it, you put it out before it gets worse slime for the first time ever is having social anxiety because they don't know if their friends want to be saved from the fire uh i want to note that genius uh mostly is getting burned because they are intently focused on watching to make sure the goblin burns. Did did you want me to save you from the fire? I didn't know if you guys wanted me to save you from the fire or if you wanted me to just let you burn to death. I didn't, you know, you just next time just tell me if you want me to. Not, not dying from fire is good, but also fire is very bad for you and there is zero expectation for you to put yourself in fire and we had a solution and we sorted it. So we are okay and you're okay. Right. If you wanted to die, though, just let me know if you wanted to die instead of hang out with me. Uh, s slime, slime, I'll say this. Until we tell you otherwise, assume that we would like to keep living. Ah, so you would rather be alive than die. Oh, right. Ah, I see. Thank you. That's okay. Yes. If that, if that changes, we'll let you know. Yes. Was that... Out course, really necessary, genius. Yes. 
I will disagree with that vehemently. I don't give a fuck what you think. I want the past to die. You can let the past die however you wish, but risking this establishment over it. You can fix this. You can't restore a book that is destroyed. Yes, you can. Hey, hey, you two. Getting a bit, getting a bit heated. Uh, the books are fine. Um, genius, I'm guessing that we have now dealt with your potential thing we got to deal with. The genius is going to look towards Neelith, and there's like a moment of like a pause, and the genius is just like, Ah, you are right! I told you! They would be easy to kill! Okay, I'm just... I hope all of your problems can be solved just as easily. I'm sure however we solve our problems will not put other people's livelihoods at risk. If you were killing your past and it died so easily, does that mean that you can die easily too? Oh, of course! All of us can die quite easily. Do you know you can have an aneurysm at any moment, and then suddenly you are just dead? I don't have blood or veins. Oh, lucky. Ozzy is just going to turn and start walking towards where Hale is. Yeah, Ozzy, up ahead you see a door to a room that uh, Hale has clearly barricaded themselves inside of. It's locked. It's like a a room where they keep uh, artifacts that they're still studying. It's locked. Aze will knock on the door and call out, Hale, are you in there? Howdy, partner. Are the spiders gone? Aze will look around. Does it appear that the spider's been mostly dealt with? or? Yeah, I mean, there definitely seems to be spiders here in the building still, but uh, they're they're hanging back. Uh, their webs having been devastated, and a number of them haven't been... Uh, repelled by by whip and acid, so they're still here, but you're not uh, currently under siege. the The threat has been diminished, but it's not entirely eliminated. What are we gonna do? Where'd they come from? Help! They came from you. Well, your your dreams, rather. This seems like victim blaming to me. There's a there's a there's a creature feasting upon the nightmares of the other villagers and this and and this is one way in which it has manifested oh yeah don't don't go to the bar until we we sort this all out the bar's been giving people nightmare ghosts so you didn't go to hail right, right away so this situation has gotten pretty bad but you succeeded on the perception to find him and then you rushed there and were successful in repelling the spiders so i think what happens now is hail unlocks the door and like beckons you in really quickly Yes. Uh, as it goes in, yeah. Uh, so if the whole party goes in, you see this relic room. Uh, there's all kinds of interesting items here under glass. Uh, some of them are like, you know, uh, protected by special uh, force fields and uh, wards and spells. There's all kinds of really interesting things here. Um, we can talk about them if you want. But the, as we discussed in the downtime, uh, if you dedicate yourself to... Hales kind of mm-hmm. like side quests essentially uh some of these can become yours i think when you all get in there uh hail looks at ozzy specifically and says y'all took a look at that book i gave you a bit yes we haven't put it to use quite yet in all of this we still have it though uh well if y'all aren't going to use it i'll find someone else who will i mean it's 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 an important artifact 
I ain't gonna give you any more if y'all aren't gonna use them. We've been we've been a little busy fighting the ni- the nightmare ghosts. In our defense, they're all creating their own problems by going to sleep. Uh, if I have the book, uh, the genius just asks, "What does it do?" Well, partner, kind of gives you uh, information, but it's a a real intense uh, kind of feeling. I, I don't know any other way to explain it than. When you open the book, fire comes out, and it kind of burns stuff into your mind. Uh, real intense lack, but uh, you can learn all kinds of stuff. I have never heard of a more genius item. Ever. <laughs> uh, so me- mechanically, uh, only one of you can attune to this. We had a previous discussion whether or not uh, genius or slime would do so, because they're the people who, who have... Uh, you know, intelligence as a, a focus of their character. But w- what this does is you can uh, lose a proficiency in order to gain a new one. Ooh. Basically burn some information out of your mind to gain other information. And uh, a, a properly motivated min-maxer could, for example, get rid of like a weapon proficiency they will never use because they're a spellcaster <laughs> in order to uh, understand like every skill. You can do this once per arc, essentially. I think this uh, fits the genius's character more than mine. And in in law, obviously slime has a thing with fire and if this book literally burns stuff, that's probably not gonna do great for slime. I want to flip open the book as nonchalantly as possible. Chris, do you have a proficiency you are willing to permanently give up in order to get another one of your choosing? Um you know, I just feel like brewer supplies are never gonna come up, so they're gone now. <laughs> Uh huh. Was that a background thing that you got for your? Yeah, I think I think I was background. You got alchemy and brewers, right? Yeah. Uh, so that that's exactly what I'm talking about here. Is that it seems like a one for one trade is not a real upgrade, but if you've done enough D and D character sheets, you know there's a lot of shit you never use, and so you can trade that in eventually for, uh, essentially for like value. Uh, what proficiency would you like to take? It could be a saving throw. It could be a skill. It could be a tool. Uh, I feel like I might as well just take uh, religion and get all the intelligence things uh, bumped up. See, I, I think Austin's completely on the wrong track here. I'm going to use brewer's tools every week. <laughs> you can have mine now. I don't need them. <laughs> uh, so, Genius, you're in this room full of all kinds of powerful magical artifacts t- from throughout history, and you could feel like a, a low thrum of uh, eldritch arcane power, uh, and you crack open this book nonchalantly, as if, like, not a big deal. I uh, open up arcane tomes from the beginning of history all the time, and the the binding kind of creaks, almost like it hasn't been opened in a long time, and it's like the binding is like a charred black almost by fire. When you open it up to a random page, the words leap out at you with molten uh, aggression almost and like leap into your eyes into uh, burning streams of information which burrow inside you and you become uh, an expert on religion <laughs> just as uh, you lose the ability to make moonshine in a toilet. <laughs> Good. Okay, sure. I, that was important. I'm sure I can uh, homebrew it afterwards or something like that. I uh, just pour a bunch of booze into the toilet and start drinking. <laughs> uh, but also because uh, all this information is fresh in your mind, uh, you can get advantage on your next religion check, which I think uh, might be useful right now because there's a bunch of spiders here, a bunch of tulpas, which have been brought 
to the village by a Baku, which wants to eat them after they're done killing all of you. Uh, 24? 24 is incredible. Um, You're I think... incredible. Aw, thanks, bud. Yeah. <laughs> um, you dumb bitch. Aw. <laughs> there feelings. was too much silence. I had to fill the air with something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, with the 24, I think you know uh, that the Baku is in the, the dream time, obviously, but also you know what alterations could be made to the sigil to transport the team into the dream time uh, to f- to stop the Baku, to f- to fight on its own, basically to storm its castle, to enter its lair and to put an end to all of this. So I think it's like, you know, earlier when you were looking at the diagram and the machine was showing you these two timelines, it's like you're transported back into that moment and the lines connect in a different way. Uh, you're like adding your own stuff on top of it to, you know, it's, it's, you're basically doing exactly what the Baku did, which was taking the, the sigil and bending it to your own ends. Um, and so as this fire enters your eyes, this just, this new sigil, uh, just appears in your mind and you have this like literally burning idea. Like your eyes are aflame and you're like, I've got it. Eureka. I know how to get to the dream world too. I just got to pop a couple of melatonin. <laughs> it's so hard in my mind to hear like, we're going to go to the dream world and not think that we've just taken over doing like a nineties movie <laughs> or something like that. Like this is the space jam sequel. We all actually wanted. And Michael Jordan has to get all the Looney Tunes characters to the dream world to play dream <laughs> basketball. Oh my God. Please dunk on the Baku. That would be sick. <laughs> I'm going to. The, the Baku's got a weird nose. Ooh, dunked on uh, so now I look, it seems like you're all going to escort Hale out of the building and then go to Ruth for the final debrief. Uh, how do you how do you get Hale out of this building? I guess one thing that Aze could do is uh, is to cast locate animals with the focus being spider to keep a track of where the <laughs> closest spiders are, so we're not going towards them at all. Okay, yeah, interesting. So you're going to use the bookshelves like a maze and try to like outsmart them by knowing, always knowing where they are. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. Like an animal radar. Interesting, yeah. They're not technically animals, but I think this is, this is fair enough. I hugely dislike the concept of being that hyper aware of the location of every spider. That sounds like the worst time. Yeah, like in this case, Aze's concern for Hale is overriding the worry about the anxiety of knowing where every spider is in the building. So like he's willing to take that hit in order to provide, um, to act as a guide for Hale and the others out of the building. Uh, so yeah, everybody roll stealth. If you want to sneak through the labyrinth bookshelves while Aze uses his, uh, spider radar. I got it too. 10, 17, Ooh, the party fails. Interesting. Uh, so you're all making your way through. You're interesting. Uh, I'm interesting. So the party makes its way through this labyrinth of bookshelves. You're keeping like hail behind the party um, and moving from like uh, row to row. Uh, and, you know, you're doing like military hand signals like go now. No, stop, stop, stop. And then uh, you're, you kind of work your way towards the entrance. But at a certain point, Aze, you realize you've boxed yourself in like you're halfway down a corridor and some spiders come up the other end and you realize they're blocking both ends out of it um at which point if we are boxed in and we need to make a a new path to the exit 
Uh, I'm gonna use Shatter. Shatter you can use fairly safely around books, right? Mm. Uh... I love this for two reasons. One is that, well, not technically safe for all books. So we, we can say there's like you find a couple of shelves that are more barren or you can push some books out of the way and blow a hole in the shelf. Because mm. that's what I'm thinking is I'm trying to, it was either that or just look that oh, there's a bunch of spiders over there. What if I sent all the spiders flying? Yeah. So paint me a picture of how you would use shatter. I'm not going to make you roll uh, to attack a bookshelf if that's how you want to go. But help me, help me, uh, you know, visualize this and then I'll complicate it. Okay, um, I think I think the flavor of this is um, in a restaurant. If you were trying to like uh, get everyone's attention for a toast, you'd sort of uh, get a get a glass out and just sort of a little bit of a a spoon hit against the edge of the glass. <laughs> but it's that to cut uh, to cast a sudden loud ringing noise, painfully intense. Of all the reflavors we've done on this show, this is one of my favorite. This one, <laughs> this really rocks. Uh, so you t- you you do a toast that does it blow apart uh, an empty bookshelf? You said you want to minimize book damage. Yeah, if there's if there's somewhere we can cast this that deals as little damage as possible to books, but gives us a route to progress, be that an empty bookshelf or a wall of spiders or whatever it is that that would let us keep going. Yeah, I think you you burst a bookshelf that's between you and the entrance slash exit, and like you can see it up ahead. Uh, but w- as it bursts and the wood goes flying, splinters of wood and some loose papers, uh, suddenly they all freeze in the air. They all hang there, suspended as if by telekinesis. Um, and then you see something begin walking through these objects suspended in air. Do any of us recognize it? Neelith, you recognize it viscerally in your bones. Oh, okay. Ah. Do you want to tell the audience what this looks like? How mm, how much do I say? It's your dad. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, you came home from buying cigarettes all those years ago. He's disappointed. (laughs) No. Uh, so what you see looks like a mind flare in the traditional sense, which is like a humanoid, human height, much taller than you, a person with a, a squid face, a Cthulhu-esque face where tentacles are, you know, at the, the bottom half of their, their skull. Uh, except instead of having the smooth, slimy skin that you have and that, you know, octopus and squids have, it has a dry, cracked white appearance. Uh, there's something off about this thing's skin, but it does it does look like what illithids usually look like. Besides that, yeah. uh, and it towers over you. This this I'm gonna call it an alhoon, A L H O O N. Uh, you th- you know what that means, Neelith, but I don't know if you, Laura, or the rest of you know what that means. This alhoon moves f- through the smoke and debris of the bookshelf you exploded and towards you, it actually floats, like levitates off the ground the same way you do, um, and just moves towards you silently. Um, oh, um, mm. I cast protection from good and evil on, <laughs> to make sure that they're safe. I I think, I think Neelith is a little, uh, little frozen, uh, not quite sure how to react. It's just sort of stopped in their tracks a little bit. Yeah, that makes 100% sense. Like when the genius of Grendel saw the little goblin, they immediately lit it on fire. <laughs> you freeze. 
uh, so much that slime turns and casts a ward on you. For the audience, protection from evil and good says, until the end of the spell, one willing creature you touch is protected against certain types of creatures. Uh, slime did correctly gather that this would be a ward, but this this Alhoon moves towards you. I mean, the the frightened status effect won't work, but like, Neelith's fearful. Yeah, there's a difference between role-playing fear and having the, the book status effect fear. Uh, it raises a hand to you and see you see it has the same like white dry skin on its clawed hand uh, and it reaches out towards you and you hear in your mind all of you like the psychic echo because uh, Alhoons don't speak out loud they speak telepathically like uh, you know Ruth did last episode and you just hear it say you chose the you wrong chose body the wrong chose body the wrong you are weak body. and pathetic I I I made my choice. You disappoint me. Disappoint me. Disappoint me. And the Alhoon floats f- towards you, hand outstretched, as if to like grab you. Um. Hmm. Aze is going to attempt to put himself between Neelith and Alhoon. Intelligence contest, actually. I don't know if we've had this, but yeah, it's going to try to psychically uh, tussle with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13, Aze. 17. Wow. Okay, so the Alhoon looks at you, Aze, and attempts to telepathically lift you. Uh, like Darth Vader, just like pick you up psychically. Um, and you well, paint, paint me the picture of how you resist this because you you win this struggle. Like, like Aze feels the uh, the influence, his feet leave the ground temporarily before he stares the Alhoon back the and says and it says curtly back to the Alhoon the only body that doesn't belong here is yours as he settles back <laughs> down just taking a uh taking a stance that a person of his build uh shouldn't be posing in terms of trying to appear intimidating towards the Alhoon you are the most physically imposing of the group Despite being very frail, he's just he's just very tall, which gives him the only advantage for being opposing in this case. Uh, yeah, the Alhoon says, "You surround yourself, you surround yourself with the strong to compensate for your I surround myself with lovely, wonderful people, and I do good, valuable things here. Aze Aze will chime in, and I'll say. Our strength comes from our community. Uh, with that, uh, everybody make an intelligent saving throw. Uh, Neelith with advantage because of the protection from good and evil. Here, evil being a loose term in the Dice Funk universe, not all, all Illithids are necessarily evil. Neelith, of course, is a good example. But 12. Uh, 15. 12. Uh, 7. Natural 1 on Aze's part. A botch, yeah. So the Alhoon uh, throws its arms wide and uses like a burst of magic to throw the entire party away from it. Uh, kind of like an AOE wave of force. Um, everyone succeeds except for Aze who botched. And so I think the way this looks is that uh, the the party uh, grabs onto the bookshelves. They grab onto each other. They're able to hold themselves up. Um, and then there's the, the entrance slash exit. You could all make a run for and get there. As the Alhoon like floats up off the ground, but Aze is blasted backwards 
uh, onto the ground. You like land in the middle of the aisle between the bookshelves as the wave of spiders begins approaching. So there's this there's this moment where it's like Aze's on the ground. A tidal wave of spiders is coming, um, and the rest of you could run away. I cast Earthbind on the squid monster. Uh, uh, read Earthbind to me. Uh, choose one creature you can see within range. Yellow st- strips of magic energy loop around the creature. The target must succeed a strength saving throw, or its flying speed, if any, is reduced to zero feet for the spell's duration. An airborne creature affected by this spell safely descends at 60 feet per round until it reaches the ground or the spell ends. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever said this on air, but Earthbind is a famous magic, is a famous D&D spell that was made into a Magic the Gathering card. They're owned by the same company, and it's famously extraordinarily horny. Um, and so I can't help but picture the Alhoon being basically uh, shibarried by this. Yeah, I, sh- I shoot out ropes of my disgusting slime oh, that's, boogers. That's, and it pulls it down to the ground. That is just, that is just pixie shibari. Did you? Yeah, you googled it. Earthbind is such yeah. a horny piece of art. Jesus. What if? What if? What if an elf fairy just got shibarried to the ground? <laughs> that a hundred percent happens because I rolled a zero. I rolled a five with a minus five for uh, strength mm. because the Alhoon is a, a phenomenal intelligence score. Just a, a mind. Uh, more powerful than you can imagine, but very physically weak. Um, and so slime, these, these ropes of like snot shoot up out of the ground and grab his arms and pull him to the ground. Yeah. This has the same level of sexy as when the D- Borg queen and data were having their sexy moment <laughs> uh-huh. where it's like, you know, it's supposed to be sexy, but it's not at all. And you hate it. All right. So you, you pull the, the Alhoon to the ground. Aze, you have a ch- chance to make a break for it. Uh, does anybody else do anything? I just want to uh, comment that I find it very amusing that this creature is like, oh, I'm the all-powerful super G, and then like a bunch of like earth, like little ropes fall on it. It's like, eh, eh, <laughs> eh, eh. Are you telling me, Chris, that you couldn't take Albert Einstein in a fist fight? It's like um, Alakazam. Back in the day or now, I could destroy him. <laughs> I I think I think with this uh this this uh I think with Earthbind in play uh Neelith has a little more confidence here and is going to cast uh Thunder Wave. Okay. So uh Aze gets up and makes a run for it. everyone's going towards the exit and you turn back and you just blast the Alhoon to to establish dominance. Little bit now that now that now that Needleith is like, oh, I'm I'm safe to do this. <laughs> I think yeah. As you turn back uh, and you raise your frying pan to do the spell, the Alhoon is you know bound to the ground. Uh, a swarm of spiders coming towards it, and you 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 know, raise your pan, and he says, "You could have been magnificent. You could have been magnificent. Look how little you are. Look how little you are. I mean." It makes getting things out the back of the cupboards a lot easier being this size. <laughs> and then you just blast him into the spiders. Yeah. <laughs> See, like I, I thought you were gonna do like a throwback to season four, but like at least I'm not fucking you. And then like you then hit hit him with the frying pan. Uh, no. Neelith's not gonna not gonna take any 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 shame about 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 this. They have some lightning. <laughs> 
Uh, so, yep. So the party runs out, you know, slams the door. Um, it, once the Baku is defeated and the Tulpas are banished, it should be safe to go back in there. But for now, I think you can uh, <laughs> say this building is off limits. So as soon as we get outside, Neelith is going to take a second to catch her breath and look to the group and go, so I guess we met Arze's uh, nightmare. I wonder when mine's going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aze is going to look at Hale and just with a bit of a really let's say uh, an almost sorrowful look in his face and he just uh, and he will just remember I'm sorry for all this Hale we should have taken care of this sooner well I'm sure you all must have been real busy got a lot of stuff to do I bet I'll make sure to return and help put things back in their rightful place after all this is handled hail if you'll recall is a purple uh dragonborn goblin so relatively small but basically looks like a draconic person um and their tail is like uh twitching uncomfortably in the snow because they are uh you know cold-blooded um and they don't seem dressed for this they were not expected to go outside (laughs) Aze will then say you can rest at my at my home in the meantime if you need somewhere to stay that's warm for now i appreciate that partner and uh thanks for using the book genius and you know i'm trying to gather data on all the items i got so oh it is an experiment yeah i'm trying to say i want y'all- you should have said that sooner yeah i'm trying to get y'all to experiment with my items i got a whole list of them i got a whole room full of them i would experiment with everything that's the spirit, hell yeah. As I say, the genius is going to uh, roll over next to Neelith and just say, oh, How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Much like you definitely dealing with everything that, that I could be dealing with. Definitely. You could try exploding your problems with fireballs. I'm... See, that's the problem. I should have specced into fireballs. Here's me learning to cook things and not just to explode my problems. Is a flambe not just a fireball in a pan? I mean, I suppose so, but I've le- I've yet to learn how to make, you know, a big enough flaming fire pan mess that I... My, my being in the kitchen senses go off and I just want to spray it with the fire extinguisher. Ah... Uh. Burnt things don't taste very good, do they? No, exactly. Like, instincts do not like me letting things burn, which is not good for burning my feelings away. Well, there are ways to deal with feelings that aren't food, I suppose. I mean, if there's ways to deal with feelings that aren't food, uh, my entire life plan goes out the window, but sure. (laughs) Is that not what Ruth is there for? I don't know. Is that what Bruce there for? You, genius? Oh, I mean, I don't need therapy, but for other people, perhaps. And neither neither do I, clearly. Okie dokie, then. Well, I just wanted to make sure you are okay, and you seem okay. Goblins would rather burn their old selves to death than go to therapy. (laughs) Um, as, as Genius starts to, to leave, Neelith will just say, um, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, for the flambe idea? Yes, for the flambe idea. 
You are very welcome. I think about explosions a lot, so it comes naturally. Ozzy, you mind if I ride your horse around inside your, your house? Just make sure that the, uh, the papers set out in the workspace up front are not disturbed too much, and that should be fine. Well, that's what I'm saying. We're going we're gonna to race some hell in there. We're going to kick some stuff. We're going to jump over some stuff. We're going to get up some proper cowboy shenanigans. I'm just letting you know. That is fine. That is fine. It's uh Yeehaw, bitches. It is a proper uh pens for the destruction that's happened in your place of work, so Y'all ever heard of dressage? Yes, I have. It's gonna be tight. I will I expect flourishing results when I return. So you drop Hale off at your house to hang out with Drip? The hammerhead shark horse, and then you all go over to Ruth's. I, I'm pretty sure as soon as we leave, like there's an inexplicable, just like blasting of music from Aze's house. <laughs> like, so uh-huh. I, like, like, question is, okay, does Hale listen to New Jack Swing or not? I don't know. I don't know why, but Hale just seems like someone who would listen to that particular genre. If I'm was- sorry about who I am, but I'm definitely thinking they're going to party rock. Party <laughs> rock is in the house tonight, and they're definitely dressaging to LMFAO. Goddamn. That's, which mashup of it is the question? <laughs> I'm glad you all prefer being alive with me than dying. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad of that, too, and I'm I'm glad you were not, you were not at any point on fire. Aze is looking rather concerned and just says, all three of you seemed to have your own nightmares manifest at that moment. Is, is, Aze, is this where we're going to learn that you're mentally stable and don't have nightmares? Is that, is, <laughs> is that what's happening here? You didn't get one because you, oh, you, pro- you probably get a therapy. You seem like you'd get a therapy. I, 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 I I indulge in the services of both Venta and Ruth, yes. Is this the so- solution to this arc? We just need to all go to therapy. <laughs> a D&D character turning out to have good mental health would be the biggest twist possible. <laughs> no D&D character has ever had a me- good mental health situation. Um, in the distance, you can see through the snowstorm, uh, Ruth's place. It's this uh, kind of uh, Arctic dwelling. Um, it has uh, these uh, furs over the whale bones. It's, uh, I'm almost certainly going to mispronounce this. I want to say Carmack, Q-A-R-M-A-Q. Um, and you can see it in the distance, and there's uh, perhaps even like a warm glow coming from it in the, in the darkness as Ruth has like, set up some candles. Uh, maybe she's even making some tea for you as you get in there, um, and you can just walk right in through like the the entrance flap. Well, Ruth, I think that we have gotten to the bottom of what is happening here. Oh, very good. Tell me all about it in a way which we don't have to linger on every detail for the audience. In in <laughs> essence, the. Sigil used for checking the age of patrons at Potter's place had been altered in order to tap into the lingering nightmares of individuals who would access the elevator, access the lift. And the individual who sold the sigil and most likely altered it is uh, 
Out of character, what's the name of the creature again? It's a Baku, B-A-K-U. The creature that sold the sigil and altered it is most likely a Baku, most likely to accelerate the intensity of the nightmares individuals are having in order to feast upon well-matured nightmares. The, the, the bounce is giving people nightmare ghosts. Okay. Um, R- Ruth, who uh, for the audience to remember is a flump, kind of a floating psychic jellyfish whose coloration is like a shifting Rorschach pattern. Uh, she says, very interesting. That means this Baku is going to try to eat the crop of nightmares once we've all been killed by them. Hmm. But perhaps there's a way to turn this to our advantage. Have you ever heard of an egregore? Is is like an omelet? Is is that a word said backwards and it's the opposite of the thing? It sounds like it's a backwards word. No, but I would love if it did say something backwards. You're you're referring to the idea of a some other sort of non-physical force that arises from us all to combat against the Baku or Backwards, it would be Aerogeruke. Nope, that's nothing. <laughs> I mean, this is D&D. That could be something. <laughs> uh, but when you say that, Aze, uh, <laughs> Ruth says, mm, essentially, uh, if a tulpa is a single thought brought to life, an egregore is an entity made up of the thoughts of an entire community. Think of it as like a group tulpa. So you're... So how would you induce an egregore? Well, I was thinking, since we have a psychic member of the Moist Watch, and if you intend to confront this Baku, it will use all of its tulpas against you. Perhaps if you have a stronger mental capacity than it, you could leverage the dreams against it, and Grendel itself could manifest an egregore. Are you suggesting we we take control of the dreams and pilot them as our own big amalgam of dreams, like some kind of uh, like Megazord or Voltron or similar, but of dreams? Exactly, a dream Voltron. Oh, I I I will. I, I'm I'm very up for trying to pilot a dream Voltron. I I I was sitting here thinking of like. The, the Statue of Liberty from Toastbusters 2, you know? Well, unless anyone has any reasons that I shouldn't pilot a Dream Voltron. Uh-huh. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> because as as Ruth explains, that Neelith could harness the power of the, the Tulpas to create an Egregore, which could be a, a dream entity that protects the whole village. I think uh, the genius once again sees these two timelines, one where Neelith controls an Egregore and one in which the machine working through the genius uh, harnesses the power of nightmares for their own purposes, which perhaps you don't even understand. I don't know if you even think you can see the whole master plan of the machine yet. Sounds like police corruption to me. Maybe this is just Arze's nightmare that we had to fight a minute ago talking about about sizes that's nothing to do with me, but it would be cool to pilot a, a very large... Dream Voltron? Yeah. So, I mean, Ruth is saying, 
I I think you could just kick the Baku's ass, or Neolith could take control of the dreams. I don't have a a third option. Do you, genius? <laughs> oh, let's see. Do I? No, I don't. <laughs> well, that's okay. Keep your chin up. You keep your chin up. I do not have a chin. Sucks to suck. <laughs> Actually, I think I have a pretty good situation here. I don't have to worry about double chin. I feel very confident in my facial structure. <laughs> oh, then it is excellent for you. I am very kissable. Mm. Yeah. I I think it, it's <laughs> it, Laura said yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I think if no one brings up any objections, I think Neelith is is gonna push for um, channeling channeling the dreams. I mean, at least a little bit because hey, feeling a little self conscious after uh, someone came and went. Hey, you make bad body choices. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's kind of the underlying uh, tension in this uh, going to basically a dungeon crawl through the dream time is how is it going to end? Will the genius uh, carry out the will of the machine? Find out next time on Dice Funk. I was following the pack all swallowed in their coats with scars of red tied around their throats to keep their little heads from falling in the snow and I turn round and there you go and Michael you would fall and turn the white snow red and strawberries in the summertime